Yes, yes, you probably would have assumed that I would begin this podcast episode with some kind of music. And that is a song titled Good Luck Blues by a UK singer named Charlie Hicks. Quick story. Charlie Hicks came to our office when our church was downtown. We had met each other through Instagram and kept up that way and just, you know, back and forth about music and this and that. And he was visiting the United States and reached out to us and dropped by the office. And it was so fun. We hung out. We talked about music. We talked about how cool his accent was. And of course, we even played guitar. Uh, He taught us some things. We sang some songs. We have some photos of this somewhere in our church drop box, but it was great. But of course, the reason I start the episode with a song like that is this. These songs about love and loss, whether it's in the blues or pop music or rock and roll, they're always about wanting to be with the one you love. And usually these songs uh, involve promises by the songwriter. The songwriter promises to do things, to buy things, to become someone different even, just to be with the one they love. A good word for it is just sacrifice. They're all sacrifices, these promises that these songs make. And sacrifice is certainly one of the many ways we voice our love for someone. The discretionary losses in our life are often a proving ground for the things that we truly love. Right now, we are in the first week of the Lenten season. Now, you may be new to the church calendar or new to our congregation, and you have questions like, well, what does Lent mean? What is this? What is the church calendar? What are we celebrating? What are we observing? So very quickly, let me give you a summary of what Lent is and a little bit of the history. Lent is a season that runs for 40 days, not including Sundays, uh, and it has been the church's pathway to Easter for nearly 1,700 years, and it is a time for Christians to participate in things like deep personal reflection, repentance, and the renewal of a faith that has perhaps grown tired and cold, and perhaps the season is most important because it spotlights the sufferings of Christ. And because of that, we also posture ourselves to notice and to take in the sufferings, not only of Christ, but of those around us too. And I have found that this season is one that carries a very attractive promise of a renewed faith. And this is because Lent forces us inside ourselves. It opens up the internal conversation about God and about God's presence in every corner of our lives. Benedictine nun Joan Chatister says this, Lent is a call to renew a commitment grown dull, perhaps by life more marked by routine than by reflection. After a lifetime of mundane regularity or unconsidered adherence to the trappings of faith, Lent requires me as a Christian to stop for a while to reflect again on what is going on in me. I'm challenged again to decide whether I myself do truly believe that Jesus is the Christ, and if I believe, whether I will live accordingly when I can no longer hear the song of angels in my life 
and the star of Bethlehem has grown dim for me. That comes from her book called The Liturgical Year. Lent is also this season that is well known for something called the fast. We fast during Lent. And in today's episode, I want to reflect on this particular Lenten practice. But first, two definitions. Spiritually, fasting is the practice of withholding privileges and vices for the sake of hearing more clearly the voice of God and to clear away the sounds of all those things that might distract my faith. That's the spiritual side of fasting. But there's also a social side. Socially, fasting is the practice of suffering alongside someone who is suffering to remember their pain through our own low-key suffering. Now, historically, Lent was a season when people prepared for their baptism, and fasting was a part of that spiritual and personal process. But fasting precedes the church. This is not new or original to us. The Jewish people fasted as a way to, and we see this in the Bible, to pray collectively as a people. We see this in the Old Testament writing titled Esther, where Esther calls on the Hebrew people to fast because there is great trouble coming. Fasting was also a way to practice confession, this kind of new beginning. We see this in the Old Testament writing called Nehemiah. Fasting was also a way to mourn the loss of someone, like the death of a loved one or a family member or a friend. Fasting was also a way to participate in works of justice. The prophets speak of this aspect of fasting as well. But Christianity has had a long history with fasting. Things like, again, preparing for one's baptism included this practice. We find ancient references to the early Christians fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays. We find references to early Christians withholding from eating so that they could give the food to the poor. So it was a a way of enacting justice in the world. We see fasting as a part of what we now call Holy Week, especially on Good Friday, two days before Easter. And again, fasting during the season of Lent. Fourth century Archbishop of Constantinople, John Chrysostom, wrote this. There are those who rival one another in fasting and show a marvelous emulation of it. Indeed, some who spend two whole days without food and others who, rejecting from their tables not only the use of wine and of oil and of every dish, taking only bread and water, preserve in this practice during the whole of Lent. So a nice ancient reference to the season there. Now, because we'll talk about suffering in a future episode and how fasting connects with that, I want to focus on the spiritual and faith-centered aspect of fasting, especially during this season. And along the way, I want to offer just a couple of possible next steps. In the simplest of terms, fasting is the practice of creating a void in my life. It's about creating a hole in my life, digging a hole in certain corners of my existence. 
when I look over the landscape of my life and I take notice of all the things I own, all the things I do and purchase and pay attention to, my task in fasting is to name the thing or the things that may have too much say in my life, too much power, too much influence, too much control. These are the things that are occupying too much space in my head and in my heart. Maybe they're destructive. Maybe they're not healthy. I name those. I look for those and I name them. And then I find a way to pull those things from the everyday rhythms of my life. I purposefully create a void. And then I allow that void to remain empty for a season. This is counter to our tendency to fill the voids in our life. When something feels empty, we fill it. When something feels uh, like it needs more, we fill it. So this is a counteract of creating a void and then letting it remain empty. Now, some people fast from things like foods, certain foods or drinks. You may have heard that before. Maybe you have friends that are like, I'm not eating meat during Lent, or I'm not drinking alcohol, or I've given up coffee. There's an endless amount of options there. Some people fast from social media. They usually tell us, you know, they put it on their feed. I'll see you after Lent, or something like that. I don't know. But some people fast from uh, some form of social media, perhaps because it is dominating a lot of their free time. Some people fast from certain spending habits, the way that they shop, the way that they uh, pursue material things in their life. They might take a break from that. Some people fast from particular thought patterns, things that might be negative or, again, even destructive, things that create tension, anger, hatred. People fast from that. All of these options are deeply personal. Each of us, again, is just invited to look at our lives and decide for ourselves what privileges and vices that could use a demotion in their influence over us. That's really what fasting is on this spiritual and personal level. Taking inventory of my life, naming the things that have too much say, and to remove them for a season, to create a void by removing those things for a season, and to just let that void sit there empty. One way to think about this is this question. What are the things I don't think I can live without? What are the things in my life that feel so necessary that if they were removed from Uh, my daily life, it would almost feel like a death. What are those things? Maybe that is a good place to start. In his little handbook on Lent, Esau McCulley writes, it's not about finding the biggest possible sacrifice. It's about examining the idols. That's a massive word. It's about examining the idols in myself and discerning the best way to tear them down. Now, what is an idol? We often think of an idol as some sort of statue. Could be. But an idol, really, when we're thinking of 
these spiritual faith-centered matters, an idol really is something that is a good thing that turned into a divine thing. Something like money that's practical and useful and is good for things turns into kind of a divine thing. And when something is divine or we see it as divine, we begin to sacrifice for it. We begin to, in a way, lay our lives down for it. And so this is the question we ask when we're examining our life and taking inventory of the things that might have too much say and influence over us. Again, that quote from Esau McCulley, it's not about finding the biggest possible sacrifice. It's about examining the idols in myself and discerning the best way to tear them down. Now, Jesus said some things about fasting, and they're great. In Matthew 6, we find Jesus saying these words, quote, And whenever you fast, do not look somber like the hypocrites, for they mark their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. What a fascinating statement about fasting. Now, there are definitely some instructions about fasting that Jesus gives in this short passage, but the strongest sentiment is this assumption that fasting is a win and not an if. When you fast, Jesus says, whenever you fast, fasting is discretionary, whenever, when you do it. But the assumption there is that you will do it. But also, Jesus hits on the internal purpose of fasting, which is our focus today. The unseen world of our inner lives altered in order to shift our gaze to the unseen God whom we love and serve. Your father who is in secret sees what you do in secret. This internal conversation with God. Now, fasting during Lent is a practice of renewal. It's like a reset of our faith through self-denial and refocus. Again, the definition. I'm just looking at the things in my life that might have too much power, that might be negative or destructive, or just too trivial, and I remove them for a season to see if I can live without them. Now, God isn't asking us through fasting to prove our love to him, although like the songs that we sing and the promises we make to the people we love, it is a way to express how much we care about the relationship. But God isn't asking us to prove our love to him through fasting. He knows our intentions. Fasting is rather what we do when we grow suspicious of certain vices and privileges in our lives. It's a discretionary response to things that we start to notice that are gaining too much acreage in our hearts and in our minds. We create the void and we leave it there in hopes that God's presence might find a home 
in those holes that we dig. Grace and peace.